you this morning and all those that are watching online, just get your Bibles open if you will. If you're visiting or you're a guest this morning, we call you a guest, not a visitor. We hope you feel home and feel the presence of God when you leave, that you knew God was in this place. That's the most important thing for us. As we get into the Word, I'm going to continue a series this morning that is so timely called The Signs of the Times. We started it last week, and this Sunday we'll pause coming up this Sunday, coming up for the revival with Pastor Marshall, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So don't miss that, and then we'll pick it up the following week. But last week I talked a little bit about uh, the lawlessness and uh, the crime and the craziness that's going on, and I want to do a different uh, angle this, this week that is so powerful. And um, I want to mention right off the bat that the most important part of this is the almost home part, which I'm going to get to in a second. But how many know we've seen unprecedented things this last year? in our world, global things that we've never seen before. We've seen global shutdown. We've seen uh, uh, results of government and people's behaviors that we've never seen in our lives. And also we've seen the opportunity to preach the gospel like we've never seen before, an opportunity to give people hope. But what we've really seen this last year is a dress rehearsal for what's to come. And the Bible tells us there's a time coming called the tribulation. And I'm not going to get so much into the tribulation today. We're going to get that into that in the following weeks. But I want to talk about a sign this morning that is amazing and powerful. But the almost home part is something the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I've been saved going on 30 years, been in the ministry that long, and preaching the end times for a long time, studying it ever since I got saved. And I've never preached it with this angle. And the Holy Spirit really reminded me as I started to prepare this series, tell the people. That every time you talk about a sign and every time you talk about something that you're seeing, that they're seeing, that they should get excited. They shouldn't get scared. They shouldn't get afraid. But they should get excited because all these signs are showing us that soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Amen. Soon and very soon Jesus is going to come back for his church. And so we're almost home. So these signs shouldn't scare believers, but they should get us excited to know that tell the person next to you, we're almost home. That's the good news. How many know in all the bad news that's going on, there's some good news? And the good news is the bad news is wrong. Jesus is on the throne, amen? Jesus said in John 14, and these are a couple key verses that will be throughout the whole series, about almost home. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, here's the key, I will come again. Amen. And it says, he will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Amen. Then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. How many believe those are comforting words this morning? That Jesus is going to take us home before things get bad. Amen. That's the good news. So those two verses are going to be reminders that as we see the signs and as we see the, the things coming more and more evident that Jesus is showing us that soon and very soon he's coming to get his church. 
But here's the third verse that's going to be out through uh, kind of a silver lining through this series of really a, a sign of the time that's evident today, and it's Isaiah 520. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That's the day we live in today, church. We live in a church in a world that anything that is good is looked upon as weird or evil or hateful, and anything that's evil is accepted as good. That is the that is the world that we live in today. He says, "Who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter?" And notice the first word says, "Woe." That's warning, warning for those who do these things. Warning. See, we, this 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 series that we're in is showing us that our time as a church is coming to an end. Now, as I say that, I want to say something very important this morning that I think a lot of people miss. One of the problems we have today in church world is, is we don't really have, and I'm saying generally, we don't have a relationship with Jesus. Too many people, as John said at the prayer time, are checking off the box and saying they went to church, but there's not a relationship on Monday or on Thursday or on Saturday morning. And because of that, we love this world. And because, oh, it got quiet in here. You know, the nine o'clock service must be a little bit more saved because they amen me a little bit better. Man, I felt that one bounce all over the walls and come back. Amen. I know I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking, just talking about you. Amen. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? There, there's something happening to where we, we don't have that relationship. So we start to love this world and we forget that we're not of this world. We're not of this world. If you know your Bible, the Bible says we're not of this world. We're just passing through. And so we have something we're looking forward to, which is a place called glory, a place called heaven, a place where the streets are paved with gold, a place that Jesus has prepared for us. And that's where we want to be. We don't want to be on this earth. We want to be with Jesus. So he says we're passing through. We do have to work. We have to live. We have to tell others about the Lord. But if we're not excited about going home, something's wrong. How many have ever been on a on an anniversary trip or a, a vacation or maybe you went on your honeymoon or you just went away for a while and you had fun. You enjoyed your time. But how many know there's no place like home? There's no place like your own bed. There's no place like your own living room. And so, church, we should be looking at life like that. We live in this world, but there's no place like home. Amen? There's no place like being with in the presence of God. So I want you to think about that as we get started. Now, today, I'm going to give you a big sign. I consider this to be one of the biggest signs, if not the biggest sign, of all Bible prophecies that are talking about what's to come. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, the nation of Israel. I kind of ended up last week mentioning the fig tree. We're going to get into a lot of verses, so get your Bibles ready, get your eyes ready, get your notes ready. And I also want you to write down below that, the, that the nation of Israel is the apple of God's eye. Okay, this is very important. Uh, for us over here in the United States on the western side of the world, we can lose perspective if we don't have a Bible perspective. We can think, oh, that's just way over there. That country Israel's just way over there. And it's, it's, that's those Jewish people over there. And we can kind of have a, a wrong understanding of the Bible. And we don't realize how close we are to those people and who those people are to us. And so one of the biggest signs is the nation of Israel coming back on the scene, which we're going to talk about this morning. And Israel is God's chosen people. And I'm going to get into this a little bit, and it is not in any way politics, it's just truth. 
a nation who protects Israel is a nation that is blessed. If you are here and you don't understand why our country has been blessed as the United States of America, I'll give you two reasons why we've been blessed. Number one is our country was founded on the word of God. Fifty-two of our 55 founding fathers were God-fearing, church-going people. And when they wrote the Constitution, they wrote it with biblical principles. And so our nation, and I don't have time to get on this, and I'm going to say this a lot during the message. I have to stay on track or I'm going to follow off and do a whole message on something else. But we have to understand that this is something so prophetic because the nation of Israel is something very important to us. And we have to understand that it's the apple of his eye. And, the, and we don't realize it, but the world revolves around Israel, although we think in America the world revolves around us. Many years ago when our nation was founded, here's why we're blessed. Everybody has kings and queens for their countries. We don't have a king. We have a president. And when we founded our country, we put the words one nation under God. So our nation has been founded under God, not a king. Are you with me? Our king is Jesus. Our nation, even though we've gotten, I know that that's not what our, our, our nation looks like today. But how many know there's still some believers in this country who believe that? That we're still one nation under God. Amen? And there were people like Dwight Eisenhower, when he was in office, was baptized in water. I told this to the guys at Discipleship Friday. And he made this statement, we've got to put uh, one nation under God in our, in our Pledge of Allegiance. There are things that have happened over the history where a man has stood up and said, this isn't right, we're going to make this right. So one reason our nation is blessed is we're founded on the Word of God. The second reason, and pay attention to this, politically, is because we have protected Israel. We as a nation, whenever a president has gotten in office and protected Israel, we have had God's blessing. Whenever a, a president has not protected Israel, we have not had God's blessing. God put his, puts his hands of protection on and off a nation who protects his people. Look what the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. Watch this. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. He who messes with Israel messes with God. Now, as John just said about his kids, another great example. God, Israel, the nation of Israel, is God's children. How many parents do I have here that say, don't mess with my kids? Do I have any parents here that say, don't mess with my kids? That's what God does with his nation of Israel. Even though, church, they're a rebellious nation. Even though they're rebellious kids, they have rebelled against him. He still protects them. They're still, how many know, no matter what your kids do, you still love them? They can be on drugs, God forbid. They can be out in the world. They can be doing something wrong. They can make mistakes. They can disobey you, but they're still the apple of your eye. No matter what Israel has done, they have remained the apple of his eye to this day. Now, Gen Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, and this says this in three different places in the Bible, says, here's, here's what I'm talking about with our country. I will bless those who bless you. Now, what God is doing here is he's talking to Abraham. He's making the covenant with Abraham. Remember when he told Abraham, your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. They will not be countable. They will not be, they'll be innumerable, all your descendants. And he was saying, all the people after you will be your descendants. We are all, how many grew up in church enough to remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons. 
Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. I should make all y'all get up right now and sing that song with me. Amen? Amen. Remember, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I don't know why I moved my arm. Father was one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, Father Abraham, and then you go left arm and right foot and left foot and turn around and all that stuff. How many remember it? Take you back to your childhood, amen? So he told Father Abraham that all the people that come behind you are going to be blessed. So when he says this, he's talking about his children, and he's talking about the nation of Israel. He says, I will bless you. Sorry, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. See, we don't understand over here in America how important it is to pray for, protect, and bless Israel. If you don't understand it till now, you need to start understanding it today. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there's something important about this nation called Israel. So one of the greatest signs in the, the, of the times that we can possibly have was the rebirth of Israel on May 15th of 1948. After, listen to this, 2,900 years of not being a nation. They, they, they became a nation in a day, which was going, we're going to get to. Now, I, I want to tell you something I think is going to really put this in perspective. It's really going to get your attention to realize how supernatural this is. Na the nation of Israel is tiny. When I say tiny, I mean tiny. Not small. How many know tiny is smaller than small? Tiny. And if you look at the Bible, there's something that runs. And this is what I love about the Bible. God doesn't change. There's no variance in him. And, and the more you read the Bible, the more you fall in love with him, that he is unchanging. And, and, and there's a truth and there's a silver lining and there's an order to everything he does. And everything, every time you look in the Bible where God was defeating other people, other nations coming against the Israelites, he always did the same thing. He always did l more with less. Does anybody know your Bible enough to know that when, when, when Gideon had uh, 30,000 men, he said that's too many? And he put it down to 300? When, 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 the, when the Philistines needed to be defeated, none of those big, strong men would do it, so little David came out with a slingshot and said, I'll take care of it. Every time in the Bible that God's going to do something, he does something big with something small. Is anybody thankful this morning that God can do something big with something small? How many small people do I have in here? And I'm not talking about stature. Just small. We're nobodies. We're nobodies, but we can do something amazing for God because of his power. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God of hosts. God moves in ways we don't move, and, and, he, and he moves in ways we can't understand. And so here we are today in 2021 with this little tiny nation of Israel so powerful, so important as a sign. And in 1948, when it became a nation, I'm going to give you some scriptures of, of what, where this came. This sign came to life. But here's how small Israel is. How many have been around the Metroplex a little bit? I'm just going to make a square for you to understand how small Israel. We're going to go from here. Let's just go over to Decatur. And we're going to go from Decatur over to McKinney. And we're going to go from McKinney down to Rockwall. I'm going to go Rockwall over to Weatherford. Fort Worth. Is that square right there, listen, listen closely to this, is about, is about 9,200 square miles. 
the Metroplex. Guess how big the nation of Israel is? 8,500 square miles. The nation of Israel, God's chosen people, is smaller than the Metroplex. And God is using that tiny little nation to confound this world. It is a nation that cannot be defeated. It is a nation that cannot be messed with. It is a nation that, ca- that prospers. It is a nation that has infected the entire world. And it's small because that's what God does. He uses small things to do big things. Now watch this. I, I want to tell you that so you had a perspective of how small it was. Matthew chapter 24, 32 to 34, big time sign. Where, where are we at today in prophecy? Pastor, here's where we're at. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already come tender and put, now watch this, put forth leaves. If you, if you mark in your Bible or you underline in your app or your phone, I want you to underline that and I want you to remember that. And put forth leaves. You know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, that's what we're getting into these weeks of signs of the times. When you see all these things, church, know that it is near at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation by w- will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now, I'm going I'm to hit this again in a minute, but I want to hit it now. The generation that is going that is seeing these things come to place is us. Do you realize how blessed we are today to be the generation that is going to see the return of Jesus Christ? That thousands of years of Christians have been looking for and watching for and waiting for, we get to be the ones to see it. There's a smart woman right there that's excited about it, amen? Is anybody else excited that we're going to get to see it? We get to hear the trumpet. We get to go up in the rapture. We get to leave this place before God comes down and deals with this world. We're almost home. We're almost home. Israel is God's stopwatch. Psalms 102, 13, listen to this. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. We have a lot of new believers in here, so whenever you see the word Zion, that's talking about Israel. For the time, and it will eventually be us down the road, but for now it's Israel. For the time, watch this, for the time, the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. In the prophetic church, I want want to read that again. Where are we at in Bible prophecy, Pastor? Let me read it again. Yes, the time, the set time has come. We are in the seconds. Now, how many know this morning that our watch that we have on our hands or in your phone is a, is a clock that we have on this earth, but God's time is outside of ours. So when we talk about seconds, it could be days, weeks, and months for him. But I've been telling you for a long time we're in the fourth quarter, and we're in the last seconds of the fourth quarter. This thing's about to end up. And as I say that, you can know where you're at with your walk with God. Because if I say that and you get fearful, or if I say that and you say, well, I don't want him to come yet because I want to do this or do that. The problem is we love this world too much. I'm ready. I'm ready to get out of this world. I'm ready to see Jesus. I'm ready to meet my master and my savior. I'm ready to worship him for eternity. I don't want nothing to do with this world. And and you might say, well, you just want the easy way out. Yes. I was born with common sense. You want to go through the tribulation, be my guest. 
when you get up there, if you make it, we'll talk. See how it went. But the thing is, I know how it's going to go. It's in the book of Revelation. And I don't want to be here for it. Tell the person next to you, we don't have to be here for that. Do you believe that? Listen to this. God is a God of unmatched accuracy. God is a God of numbers and time and accuracy. If you don't believe that God is a God of numbers, read your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Numbers. He's so into numbers, he wrote a whole book on it. Numbers. Numbers are very significant in the Bible. And we're in the year 2021. We're in this time frame. I'm telling you numbers here. I'm giving you numbers in the scriptures. Numbers are important to God. Listen to this. 2,500 prophecies are in the Bible. 2,500 prophecies. And already 2,000 of them have been fulfilled. 2,000 of them have come to pass. Now I want you to, I want you to think about this for a second. What, what does that mean? Could any of you in this place, being honest, tell me something that's going to happen next week that does not include that the sun's going to come up and the moon's going to come out? Can anybody with accuracy tell me a time, a date, and a place of something that's going to happen? You can't. You can't. But God in his word prophesied things thousands of years ago with exact accuracy. Let me give you an example of how hard it is for, for prophecy to come to pass if God's not involved. And the reason I'm doing this and the reason we're preaching this message, church, is we want you to know that God is not a God of religion. He is a real God. He's a living God. He's a loving God. He's Father God. He's on the throne today, and he is alive. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him as he knows you. And so that's why he put all these prophecies in the Bible. So that you would believe. We do have to have faith. But man, the more you read the Bible, the less faith you have to have. Did you hear what I said? I'm not contradicting myself. The Bible actually says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I have more faith today than I did 25 years ago because I read the Bible. So 2,500 prophecies, 2,000 have already been fulfilled. I want you to, my wife's from Costa Rica. I met her down there. I lived in Costa Rica for 10 years. One of our daughters was born in Costa Rica. So I want you to think about something this morning. If I told you I want to meet you in March 15th in Costa Rica, downtown at the Chinese restaurant. And by the way, Chinese, the Chinese food in Costa Rica, believe it or not, is the best Chinese food in the world. I've eaten Chinese food all over the world. There's something about it. I don't know what it is. Am I telling the truth, Pastor Mario? Am I telling the truth, baby? It's the best. Sometimes I just wish I could just transport myself over there and eat Chinese food. But we're going to meet there March 15th at noon, downtown San Jose, Costa Rica, at a Chinese restaurant. Can you imagine all of the things that can happen between now and March 15th to stop us from meeting March 15th in San Jose, Costa Rica, downtown at the Chinese restaurant? You get what I'm saying? So many things could happen to the plane, to the car, to the ride, to the taxi, to the, to the restaurant could be closed. All that could be affected by circumstances, yet God's word prophetically is never affected. And thousands of years in advance, he pronounces something like Jesus being born in Bethlehem when he's from Nazareth. Because he's going to be there for a census. 
And that's, and that's prophesied 2,700 years before by Isaiah. See, why I'm telling you all this, and the reason God wants you to hear all this, is this should elevate your faith that you're not just checking off the box this morning, but you're serving a living God who has a perfect plan and a purpose, and he has a, has a timeline, and we can know it this morning. We don't have to be caught off guard because he knows what he's doing. Amen? So if you don't believe that, listen to this. Anybody like math in here? I'm raising my hand to get you to raise yours. I'm not one of them. Since the probability for any one of these prophecies being fulfilled, sorry, having been fulfilled by chance, averages less than 1 in 10. That's very conservative. And since the prophecies are for the most part independent of one another, the odds of all of these prophecies over 2,000 being fulfilled without error, listen to this, is less than 1 in 10 with 2,000 zeros. Now that's a number that our minds cannot even fathom. We got like six zeros, ten zeros, we can go about that high. But past that, how about 2,000 zeros? The odds of all those prophecies being fulfilled, that have been fulfilled, is that many zeros. One and that many zeros. Only God. Only God in his sovereignty, only God in his perfection could do these things because he's God. Now listen to this. Abraham, as I read earlier on that quote from 12.3, this is a very cool uh, statistic. God made his his covenant with Abraham 1,948 years after he created Adam. Israel on May 15th of 1948 was made a nation again 1,948 years after A.D. Do you think there's a possibility there's a coincidence there or do you think that was by a divine order i believe it was by divine order i want to ask you a question maybe you don't believe in in this jesus that we're talking about do you know anybody else in your lifetime or in history if you've ever watched the history channel who stopped time does anybody know anybody else here in here besides jesus that stopped time see we're in the year 2021 a.d it's not after death of Hare Krishna. It's not after death of Muhammad. It's not after death of Mary. It's not after death of Peter the Apostle. It's after death of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He stopped time. He stopped time. And we started it again. That's the Jesus I'm telling you about. And so in 1948, this sign happens that has been prophesied for thousands of years, and this little tiny metroplex-sized nation is born again in one day as a sign that does this church, begins the clock tower time countdown to where we are today. Stay with me. Hosea chapter 3, watch this. Verses 4 and 5. All of these, so there's, in the Bible, there's major prophets and minor prophets. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel are major prophets. Hosea, Micah, Nahum, they're minor prophets. This mi- not that they're ma- not any less, they're just smaller books. It says, for the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Those are just things that they do in the Jewish customs during services. Afterward, the children of Israel, watch this key word, shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. 
Does anybody know what latter days are? Latter days are now. We are in the latter days right now. So we are living in what the Bible said latter days is today. We're living in the days where the Bible is coming alive like, like, like news every single day. Okay? And so one thing we have to understand, too, to interject this here for anybody who hasn't been in this series, is the time that's coming called the tribulation is for God to deal with his disobedient kids, the, the nation of Israel. Why are they disobedient? Why, why are they in bad standing with God? Because God sent down his son, Jesus Christ, to come and be their savior, and they rejected him. I used to say when I was younger, and I took this back, maybe you did too. I used to say when I first got saved, man, I wish I could have lived in the Bible days. I wish I could have walked with Jesus. I take that back today because I could have missed him. I could have missed him like they did. But today I have the Bible. and It's been written for thousands of years, and it's proved and test the test of time, and, and now it's all written out for me, and so it's easier for me to believe. But I might have missed it. See, those Jewish people, his own people, missed it. How many are still with me? How would they miss it? Because they didn't read the Bible. And the Bible tells them that when Jesus came, Jesus was not going to come as a king. They were looking for him to come and ride in on a horse uh, as a king and take over the world and set up his kingdom. But what did Jesus do instead? He rode in on a donkey, which is humility and peace. He's, don't worry, he's going to come in on that horse. Oh, yeah. He's going to come in on that horse. And we're going to come in with him. The saints of God are going to come in with him on those horses. And we're going to ride down into this earth and we're going to take over this world for a thousand years. That's another message. Hosea chapter 6. Somebody say, this is now. It says, come, verse 1, and let us return to the Lord. There's a, there's a thing happening. This is another sign. The Jewish nation is returning home. When Jesus was on the earth, they scattered all over the world. Has anybody ever noticed, if you've traveled the world at all, or if you've just even traveled to the United States, Jewish people are everywhere. And I've never met a poor one. They have lots of money. Why? Because they're God's children. Disobedient, but God's children. They're blessed. They're God's favored people. How many know you can't take God's favor away? When God, puts, when God says, I'll put favor on who I want, I'll, if you start to go, man, I don't know about, you just better understand who's in charge. You just better understand who's in charge. I learned at a young age to do this. I've never been in the military, but I'm smart, and I do this. Yes, sir. When I recognize authority in my life, I don't question it. I don't question God's authority because he created the earth. I don't need to go where Job went. I'm saying this for somebody. This wasn't in my notes from the service. I don't need to be a Job. I don't need to lose my wife and my family and my things to get, to, to get a lesson of who God is. I know who God is. I don't want to have to lose everything I have to, be, to realize who God is. I don't want to have to have loss. I just know God is God. I don't want to have to get to the conversation with God where he tells Job, who are you? Where were you when I put the boundaries of the ocean? Where were you when I flung the stars into the sky? Smart Alec. 
I'm not that person. I'm, tell me, oh, you're a yes person. Yes, I am. And I'm going to say yes all the way to heaven. And I'm going to say yes as I get my crown. And I'm going to say yes, Lord, as I bow at his knees and say Jesus is Lord and master of my life. You want to be a rebel, be a rebel. But you're going to get what rebels get. Amen. So he says, come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, read this with me, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. Now, this is going to be a revelation for some people. Some of you might get it right now. Some of you might get it Tuesday. Some of you might not get it. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Let me read it again just in case you missed it. See, when I'm doing this, and I've been telling the guys this in discipleship, we need to learn the Bible. We need to study to show ourselves approved. Teenagers, you need to read the Bible more and look at Facebook less. And TikTok and Instagram and all whatever else. You need to learn the Bible. Because it's life. Amen? It's power. It's wisdom. And when you read the Bible and you study the Bible, when you begin to hear things, then your spirit begins to connect things before the pastor even says it. Oh, that's what he's saying. I want you to get to that place where when I say something, you get it before I say it. There's a revelation right here in this scripture. And he's saying here, after, in a second, you go, oh, okay, that's what he's talking about. But I want you to catch it first. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. By the way, does that sound familiar to anything? That he, we may live in his sight. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, but beloved, don't forget this one thing. That the Lord, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. So he said in Hosea thousands of years ago, two days will pass. How many days have passed, if we can do the math here, easy math, how many days have passed since Jesus Christ left the earth to go to heaven? One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. We're in the year 2021. How many days have passed? Two. We're in the third day. The third day is going to come to revive us, and the third day is going to come to take us. Now watch this, Isaiah 66, verse 7 and 8. Before she was in labor, the nation of Israel, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child, that's Jesus, who has heard such a thing or who has seen such things. Isaiah is prophesying these, these words without even knowing what he's doing. And it says, shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Church, the nation of Israel was born prophetically, fulfilling that prophecy in one day. On May 14th of 1948, Israel was not a nation. And on May 15th of 1948, Israel became a nation. Are you with me? That's a big sign. Thousands of years of no Israel. It had been overtaken. And in this moment, there's still an area that needs to be taken, and that's the Temple Mount. That's where there's a mosque right now. That mosque will be destroyed. And permission will be given for them to build the, th the third temple. And right now, in this very moment, in a warehouse in Jerusalem, all the stuff they need to build that is there. All of it. Matter of fact, there's a site that shows all that. It's already there, waiting to be built. 
but it's going to be built after we're gone because the permission is going to come from the Antichrist, and we're not going to be here when the Antichrist is on this earth. Can I give you a statement to really clap about? We're not looking in Bible prophecy for the Antichrist to come on the earth. We're not looking for a man to come into power. We're looking for a man who already has power, and he's coming from heaven, and he's going to open up the skies and come and get his church. That's who we're looking for, Jesus. Is anybody looking for him this morning? Or do you just want to stay in this world and go through the punishment that's coming to this world from disobeying? I don't want to. I've been living for God for 30 years, and I'm ready to see him. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to get my reward. If it's small or great, I'm ready to go home. This is not my home. Paul said, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. Should I stay here and preach the gospel or should I go home? Part of me wants to go home. Part of me wants to stay here and preach the gospel. The only reason I want to be here is to preach the gospel. This world has nothing for me. Amen. So people are coming home, beginning to close. Watch this, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I, I, for, I think I forgot to read this in the first service. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord. How will we know that the, how will we know that he is the Lord? Because Israel will come back on the scene. When I am hallowed in you before their eyes, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you from out of all countries, and bring you into your homeland. Today flights are going, every single day flights are going to Israel from around the world as Jewish people are going home. Fulfilling this prophecy. Does anybody know how many people, and you don't have to say it out loud, say it in your head. Does anybody know how many people, how many Jewish people were killed in the Holocaust? Just put that in your head. Today, if this isn't another sign, that exact amount of six million people reside in Israel. Six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. Today, there's six million people residing in Israel, Jewish people. There's 15, approximately 15 million Jews around the world, and they're still coming back home, and God's calling them home. The rest of them will come home after we've gone home. Mm. Well, I'd already shouted when I made the message. I don't need y'all to shout for me. Last sign, huge sign, huge sign, huge sign, big sign. David and Goliath, I mentioned it earlier. When we think of stories in the Bible, sometimes in our carnal minds, we're like, come on, really? Really? A 12-year-old with a slingshot kills a big dude with armor? Really? A Jonah gets swallowed by a whale? Really? Walk through the parted Red Sea? Right? We, we can do that. But see, God has given us today things that we can vividly see in our own history that proves those Bible stories. Because sometimes they seem impossible. Did you know that in 1967... Israel had already become a nation, but Jerusalem was still not the capital. Did you know that at that moment, there was a six-day war in June of 1967? That's in our history. And little David defeated Goliath. 
And Jerusalem became a nation in what's called the Six-Day War. You can watch YouTube videos on it. You can Google it. You can go find out what you want about it. But listen to what happened. Israel defeated the combined armies. Remember, Israel's the size of the Metroplex. Israel defeated the combined armies of Egypt, Syria, and Jordan, capturing the West Bank, East Jerusalem, the Gaza Strip, the Golan Heights, and the Sinai Peninsula. For Israel, it was a stunning triumph for Arabs, a humiliating defeat. That's why they hate Israel so much. Those armies were destroyed, and history says, this is not common knowledge, but history says that the Russians gave billions of dollars to those countries to help defeat Israel. Why and how, church, be honest, why and how is it possible for a nation the size of the Metroplex to defeat three large countries funded by Russia in a six-day war? Because God is a God of miracles. He's a God of signs, and he's a God of wonders. If you watch those documentaries, we saw the movie, they, there would be two or three or five or six soldiers from I Israeli soldiers facing an innumerable amount of people, and they would get on their knees and put their hands behind their heads and surrender to them because they saw things behind them. How many know you got something behind us called angels? How many believe there's angels encamping all around us right now? Amen? And they began to put their guns down and surrender. Why? Here's another reason why. Because they had to fulfill prophecy. God cannot lie. God cannot fail. Now watch this. I don't care what your opinion is about our former President Trump, but he did something no other president had the courage to do. He understood that he needed to put Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and he moved the American embassy to Jerusalem. That was a smart move. And all the people who voted against him and don't like him can be thankful to God for their ignorance that our nation's protected right now because we're still protecting Israel at this moment. I don't know what's going to happen now, but I know what past results tell me. And you watch. You watch this president lift, lift the protection of Israel. That's the times we're in, church, the blessing and protection of God when this nation protects. We're not in Bible prophecy. We don't exist. It's an interesting thing. I said this last week. Right now, everything that goes on in the world hinges on us. But there's going to be a moment in the twinkling of an eye when the rapture is going to happen. Church is going to be gone, and that hinge is going to break, and all eyes are going to shift to Israel. We will no longer be a power. We will no longer be dominant. God has used this country. Are you with me today? God has used this country. This is still the greatest country in the world outside of Israel. And the reason we've been so blessed is because we have sent so much money around the world to preach the gospel. So many churches and missionaries have gone and preached the gospel around the world. And we've done it with, with the right. It doesn't matter about politics. It matters about what our nation is at a core. Who we are as a core. And our morals and our beliefs. And we don't agree with calling good evil and evil good. God is looking for a church that's going to rise up in these last days and say, thus says the Lord. Amen. Not what someone's opinion is or not something that's popular. You can watch me and pay attention to me. The closer we get to the return of the Jesus, the, Jesus, the less I care about what people think about me. 
I'm going to preach what Jesus tells me to preach because I want to get people saved and I want to get people to heaven. How many want to get people saved and get people to heaven? <clears throat> now, I got one more verse. This is my beautiful daughter. She's up here playing. I'm glad she's sitting because she's pregnant with my grandbaby, my handsome grandbaby, my pretty handsome son over there. And she does a great job. Just give me a couple more minutes, okay? Let's play soft. Play slow. How many are still here? Listen to this. Luke 21. Watch this. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear. Church, there's been a lot of fear the last year. Matter of fact, it's been an agenda of fear, if you call it like it is. I, I believe there's a people in this nation and this world that can see clearly what's going on and we're not blinded by politics and all these things. It's not hard to see. But church, I want to tell you something. The fear that, that, that this world has experienced during this COVID crisis is a picnic in the park with barbecue chicken compared to what's coming. Are you listening to me? I'm not saying that because this is what I think. I'm saying that because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says there's coming a seven-year period on this earth. Seven years, exactly seven years, literal years, coming on this earth of tribulation that the church is not called to be here for. And again, maybe you come from some kind of doctrinal background where you, they believe and preach that they're going to go through the tribulation. Go ahead and go through it. That's your choice. I'm not going to be here. You're not going to be here if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says God has not appointed us to that. There's too many verses, and that's a whole other message. We will be raptured out. The word rapture comes from the Greek harpazo, which means to be snatched away from danger. So we're going to see some crazy stuff happen. But before it hits the ceiling, before it gets bad, the church is gone. You know why? Because we've already put our faith in Jesus. We don't have to prove our faith to Jesus. We have already put our faith in Jesus. And so he's going to take us home, and we're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to be getting rewards for our lives, and we're going to be banqueting and celebrating and having a great time while hell breaks out on earth. <clears throat> we're almost home. So it says, for the powers of heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming. Now, that's a future event. In a cloud with power and great glory. That's when we come on the horses. You've got to understand eschatology. You've got to study your Bible. Now, when these things begin to happen, these signs, these warnings, look up. Look up. Lift up your heads. Church Christians should not be walking around like this. Christians should not be walking with their heads down as if we have no hope, as we're, if we're like this world. We should have our heads up, and every time we see a sign happening, we should be going, Lord, I'm looking up and lifting my head up because my redemption is drawing near. Church, you better, you better, you better get more excited than that, I'm telling you, because it's coming. It's coming. Your redemption draws near. It says when they're ready and they're budding, you know for yourself, summer's near 
When you see these things happen, know the kingdom of God is near. And he says, surely, last thing, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. The generation that saw Israel become a nation in 1948, watch, watch this map. I didn't do this in the first service. David said in, I, in Psalms chapter 90 that his span of a life was 70 to 80 years. Okay, 70 to 80, that's th- and that's, that's amazing too because that's the average life expectancy, about 75 years. So if you add 70 to 80 years to 1948, you get to 2018, give or take. That's 70. 70 years to 1948 is 2018. 80 years is 2028. There's a seven-year tribulation period. We're there. And you can say, well, I don't want it to be here yet. God didn't give us a choice. And you might say, I don't want to live forever. God didn't give you a choice. You know, some people say, I just want to die and just have the lights go out. God didn't give you that choice. He said it's appointed unto man once to die, and then comes judgment. So all he gives us the choice of is where we spend eternity. And if you're a smart person, you want to go to heaven. Amen? But no one's going to be in heaven that doesn't want to be there. And no one's going to be in hell that didn't put themselves there. Because God's a loving God and a just God. If we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's give the Lord a big praise this morning. Amen? (coughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for those that are watching online right now. We bless them, especially those that are older in our church and can't come physically, Lord, we thank you that I know, I know right now I can hear the voices of several of them rejoicing as they're ready. They're ready, Lord. They're looking. They're getting ready for the return of Jesus. But in this place this morning as you're listening or you're watching online, you're either happy or you're sad. And if you're sad, you can be happy. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in the one who wrote this book and prophesied everything that's going to come to pass especially Israel becoming a nation in 1948. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you can do that right now. At this very moment, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable day of the Lord. How many in this place from front to back and side to side could say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus this morning as my Lord and my Savior, but today I want to make that decision. Would you just lift up your hand? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? How many more? I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? I see your hand. God bless you. I want to make that choice. Listen, this isn't <clears throat> this isn't a scare tactic. This isn't this isn't hype, church. This day is coming. This day is coming and and it's going to be so horrible and so fearful. The Bible says men's hearts will fail them for fear. I'm going to get into that in the next few weeks because it's something that causes us to live right. When we see that that terrible day of the Lord coming, when we see the judgment of a just God coming, then we say, God, help me be right with you. Please take away my sins. Please let me be in good standing with you. Like Brian said at the offering, are you going to stand before Jesus as your judge? Or are you going to stand before Jesus as your lawyer? I'm going to stand before him as my lawyer. He's going to say, he knew me. He knew me. He professed me. He confessed me. He he believed in me. He lived for me. 
I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. Neither do you. That's why it's called the blessed hope. Maybe you're here, one more call, and you have at some point in your life, maybe it was a year ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, you said that prayer. But today you are not walking with God. And by his grace, you're here. And you need to, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Would you lift your hand up and say, that's me. Just put it up and put it back down all across this place. Amen. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we stay in this reverence to the Lord? There's a, the, the great, there's a powerful spirit of God. The anointing's here. Decisions are being made. Choices are being made. Confirmations happening in people's spirits. Jesus said these words, church. He said, when you stand before my father, if you have confessed me before man, I will confess you before my father that's in heaven. But if you deny me before man, if you're afraid or ashamed to say that Jesus is your Lord here, Jesus says, I will deny you before my father in heaven. It's a choice. We all get the choice. One of God's greatest gifts is free will. He gives us the choice. One third of the angels of heaven chose erroneously to follow Satan. And they're damned for, for eternity. No choice, no second chance, no way out. Once eternity starts, there is no purgatory. There is no second chance. There is no coming back as a butterfly. There is no other opportunities. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. I want to make a call in this place that I don't always do or often do, but I want to do it today. Maybe you believe in Jesus. You, 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 you believe, I, I believe, but you've never made a public confession of your faith. You've never said, I want the whole world to know. And, and here's the thing. How are you going to tell the world if you can't stand for Jesus in the church? We're all sinners here. We're all, we've all made this trek. And I'm not saying this to brag. The day I got saved, I was at the altar before the guy was even done preaching. Because I knew I was, I knew I needed Jesus. I knew I needed to get saved. I was there bawling my eyes out, and I spent three hours at that altar. Because I was running from the call of God. I was running from this. And I thank God for his mercy. Because I could be in hell today. Forever. And we can't even, as we can't wrap our minds around that two to the ten with zeros, we can't wrap our mind around what eternity is. It's forever. If you've never made that, some hands went up. I want you to be them for those people for sure. But if you've never made that statement, would you step out of your seat and come down to this altar and say, I want to make a public confession of my faith today. I'm just going to ask you to come. Just come. Just step out. If you've never made a public confession, just come out quickly and stand here this morning. You raised your hand. You didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to make Jesus as a public confession. Come on, let's give him a hand. The Bible says the angels are rejoicing in heaven. Amen. Amen. Come on, how many more? How many more? How many more? You never made a public confession. Today's the day. Amen. Those that are watching online, we're going to go offline in just a minute after this prayer. But we're going to say a prayer all together. All of us together. A prayer of faith. A prayer of, of admittance that I'm a sinner. Amen. That I need a Savior. That I'm lost without the Lord. That I need Jesus in my life. And this is a biblical prayer. I want you to repeat it after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. I know that I'm a sinner and I fall short of your glory. 
And I know that the wages of my sin, the penalty of my sin, is death and eternal life without you. But I also understand the gift of God and the grace of God, that you came down from heaven and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for all of my sins. I ask you to forgive me today for all of my shortcomings, all of my pride, all of my mistakes. Today I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that he rose from the dead. Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's book of life and make me a new creation. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. Help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give a big praise to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's begin to sing. As we begin to sing this song, go ahead and stay here for a moment. Church, I want you to find a place. The Bible says in Revelation, we're going to read this about five and six. We're going to read this in the coming weeks. Find a place at this altar. Find a place.